and welcome back to another episode of Deets with Dieter. I'm your host, Ned Dieter, and today we are doing an episode, another director's episode, and I'm really stoked about this particular director because he is quite controversial, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way, and I just, I really want to talk about him because after watching a lot of his films, it's so varying, and I just, I just can't wait to get in and to talk about, all, like, as all of the films I've seen of his, which are not all of them, disclaimer, um, but I might even check some of them out in my own time, like, that's how interested I am. Um, with that being said, this week's episode is going to be on the one, the only, M. Night Shyamalan, and the way this is going to work is, as all director episodes typically work, it's going to be who he is, so I'm going to talk a little bit about who he is, um, how he got into filmmaking and stuff like that, why you should watch his films, so my personal opinion of why you should watch his films, then I'll go into detail about those films, I'll give like a little section at the beginning of like a non-spoiler summary of um, some of the films that I'm going to be talking about and then I'll do like a detailed nitpicking what did I think of these films kind of thing um and then and this uh, this includes old which is a new film that's out currently in cinemas of his and I'll do a separate section talking about old uh giving a separate uh non-spoiler review and spoiler review for that and finally I'll talk about the future of his future projects that he has coming up um which it's quite uncertain, so we'll get into that when we get there. But yeah, with that being said, let's get started with the episode. So, who is M. Night? M. Night is a 50-year-old American filmmaker. He was born in India and raised in Pennsylvania. I, okay, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this episode is because M. Night is Indian. And, well, technically he is American, but he was born in India. And, and this really interested me because there are not many, like, directors who are from Western directors, I say, because there are a lot of Bollywood directors who are Indian, but, um, like, Western directors who are from, like, Asian, not Asian, but more Indian, like, Asian descent. And, yeah, he is the most well-known one and the most acclaimed one, so I was like... I feel like this is calling me to kind of investigate his films and see, you know, how, how, like, well acclaimed is he and should we give him this acclaim kind of thing. Um, because I know that from what I'm reading on different reviews and stuff is that M. Night is a director who is either much loved by an individual or much hated by an individual. And I don't think there's any in between. Though I would argue that I am that in-between in this episode, uh, but we'll get on to that. Um, he is best known for his supernatural plot films, which was much to my demise because I am not good with supernatural films. So I managed to actually, all the films that I watched, I managed to avoid all of the super, like the ones that I haven't seen are the supernatural ones, which is... Well, might be annoying for you, but it was more of a, a, a carefully constructed, I don't think I can do this kind of thing. Um, so for my own well-being, I stayed away from that. So how did he get into film? Now, I found this very interesting because this is like the typical, um, like, 
plot of a, let's say, of a Bollywood film of like, you know, <laughs> the the individual wants to follow their dreams that is not like something to do with medicine or engineering or computers or whatever, and the parents are very disapproving and they're like, no, we want you to pursue, you know, this stuff so that you can have a good career and good money and stuff like that. Um, but then they end up just following their dream and passion. And that's kind of the story of of M. Night. Um, his father wanted him to go into medicine, um, which is a very, very, like, very typical story that you hear um, in, like, Indian culture of the parents wanting them to go down a more academic route. But his father was, uh, but his mother, sorry, was like very much like follow your dreams, go do what you want to do because he's been he has wanted to be a filmmaker from a really young age, because by the time he was seventeen years old, he had already made like forty five home videos like on his like camcorder or whatever, um, which is pretty cool. So it's like it's nice to see from an early age that he was super passionate about like filmmaking and that whole industry and that world. Um, and so much so that actually some of his, some footage of his home videos that he made, like, um, in his youth are actually put in the DVD versions of some of his films, um, which is really cool. I found that, like, such an ode to, to his childhood and his beginnings, which is really cool. And it's, it's meant to kind of, like, determine or establish, I guess is a better word, that he is not just, like, I guess he hasn't changed from his youth and he's using ideas that he came up with in his youth to to be translated into, I guess, his... in Approaching it with a more intellectual and mature mind as an adult rather than as a child. So, like, maturing these ideas that he had as a child um, to kind of distribute as a proper full-fledged plot which is really cool I like that like they're all inspired from his childhood like well majority of the films that he um that he's done which is really awesome I really uh, I love that so yeah that's a little bit about um who M. Night is just a little quick summary of who he is his little his beginnings his origin stories if you will um and now I'll move on to why I think you guys should watch more of his films now I do this for all of my directors that I, um, I do a focus into. So I have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. The biggest thing, I guess, is that M. Night is basically known for his massive twists and turns in his films, like big plot twists and stuff like that. Um, like, so much so that in the notes of every single film that I've seen of his, um, I've wrote down what the big twist is in that film, just so I can, like, let you guys know and like talk about my twists and I think I might even rate the twists who knows I, I'm still thinking about whether I should do that or not um and I just think honest it works with the type of films that he does he always finds a specific genre or a specific area yeah a specific genre and then finds something within that genre that isn't really hasn't really been done before takes that and then adds um a plot twist in the last like uh, the last act of the film to kind of just spice things up and make you go oh my god wait it was that all along it was Agatha all along um 
Um, there were no Agathas involved in any of his films, just a disclaimer. <laughs> um, but I just think he has such brilliant concepts, and that's what I love. Like, Hand on My Heart, for majority of his films, other than The Last Airbender, right, because that's technically not something that he... it was based off of something, right? Um, all of his films are really interesting concepts. Concepts that I have never seen in uh, films before. Regardless of the quality of the film, I can say hand on my heart that he has some of the most interesting ideas and the most ambitious ideas, which for young, like, aspiring filmmakers or even just filmmakers in general is always a good thing. Um, because when I talk about old a little bit more uh, in detail, because there's a lot of controversy surrounding it, um, a lot of social media discourse is happening, as, as you do, um, especially on Twitter, and um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that then. So, yeah, stay tuned for that, because I'm going to talk a little bit more about films in general and why bad films also, like, are important. So I'll, I'll get on to that. But, yes, they are controversial films of his, but they are still talked about. Like, Almost every single one of his films has been talked about for whether it be good or bad reasons, all the ones that I've watched, right? If you if you look upon this list, like Split, somewhat bad controversy surrounding that. Unbreakable, good. The Last Airbender, bad controversy, you know? The Sixth Sense, such good controversy. And then, like, Old, again, really, uh, like, bad <laughs> controversy or whatever. But there's always something. Like, there's always something to talk about in an M. Night film, which I always uh, love. And it leaves you, once you come out of a cinema, wanting to constantly dissect and talk more about it. And that's what I found myself doing after watching the most recent one. So if you want um, films, I guess, that you can talk about and think about and, you know, maybe scream about a little bit too, then um, M. Night films are definitely uh, the ones for you. Another thing, uh, another two things, if you're not sold yet by M. Night, um, he actually wrote, like did a lot of the script writing for Stuart Little, and if you don't know what Stuart Little is, I please um, implore you to google it and um, or letterbox it and see what this, this film is actually about. It's quite funny. He also ghost wrote She's All That, which I found extremely surprising, like I was like, that does not seem like an M. Night kind of film that I would... I, I'd put M. Night's, like, like name associated with that. Maybe that's why he ghost wrote it, but... Anyway, it was just... It was very funny to me to hear that he had a part in Stuart Little... The making of Stuart Little and She's All That. Very weird. Very, very weird. Um, but, yeah. So, that's a little bit about um, why I think you guys should watch some more M. Night films. I think you should. I think everyone needs a little bit of M. Night in, his, in their lives. Um, and now let's move on to my opinions of the, some of the films that I've seen of his. Um, so disclaimer, I haven't seen all of his films. I haven't seen The Village. I haven't seen The Visit. I haven't seen The Happening. Um, the Village and The Visit for very, like, obvious reasons. The Happening, I do want to check out. I might check it out, like, after this episode later on today. Um, and also The Servant, um, 
which is a TV series, actually, which um, I was super interested in. And I think I, I should have watched it. Like, honestly, I should have. But I actually forgot it existed until I started writing notes for this episode. So I'll check that out. Maybe I'll let you know on a recommend to the back end next week uh, what I thought of it. Because I definitely want to check it out. Um, and there are some films as well. And I say this one in particular. There is one film in particular that I have seen. I saw it when it came out. I don't remember anything about it. So I would not be able to tell you like any useful information and I didn't really want to rewatch it because it's not on any streaming sites and I was not going to pay money to watch it. Um, but yeah, that's After Earth, the one with Will Smith and is it Jaden? Jaden Smith. Yeah. So the 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 father-son duo in After Earth, which I saw when it came out, it was very very peculiar film. Anyway, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to basically give you a non-spoiler like overview of some of these films, like tell you a little bit what, um, a, tell you a little bit about what all these films are about and basically give you a, I guess, um, just a recommend or to, uh, or to the back end, essentially, of like whether I would recommend people to watch these films or not. So without further ado, let's get into it. So let's start with Unbreakable. So Unbreakable is probably one of M. Night's most well, one of his most well-known films. It's starring Bruce Willis as David Dunn. And essentially the story follows a man who is trying to figure out, I guess, who he is. He's on this own like personal journey that involves this sort of, I guess, weird, mysterious, I guess theory that he has about his life that could be considered quite, um, I, let's say outlandish, let's say, um, and he's trying to test this theory and he has, he meets someone, uh, who is Samuel Jackson's character who I cannot remember his name for the life of me other than his, his spoilery name in the film, um, but he essentially meets this, uh, Samuel Jackson's character and he's slowly starting to put these thoughts in his head and just trying to construe him into thinking this particular way about his identity. And the story kind of unfolds there uh, of... Basically, it's a story about David Dunn trying to figure out who he is. And um, it's it's a story with a, with a lot of twists. I think this personally is a really, really good film to check out. It has an element of superhero vibe, so if you're, if you're into, I guess, if you're into superhero films, right, but you want a different perspective on them, this is a great film that I would suggest for that. It definitely shows it in a different perspective, which I'll get more into in the spoiler section. But that's Unbreakable as an overview, and I would definitely give it a recommend. So let's move on to the next film. The next film is The Sixth Sense that I wanted to talk about, and... I think of all the films that I talk about today, I want this to be the one that you actually go and sit and watch. Um, if, you, if you're if you lucky like I um, was and you didn't see any of the spoilers of this film or know the big twist before it happened, um, please, please do go and watch this film and just watch it full concentration, Immerse yourself, maybe sit in the dark also, which is what I did as well, and just watch it and enjoy it and take it in because I personally think it's one of M. Night's best films. Um, it's about, essentially, it's also got Bruce Willis in it, surprise, surprise, um, and he essentially 
is he is this um, child psychologist and he has a new patient that he has to um, he has to I guess treat that's the word I was looking for treat after a, a career bump in like there was a career bump and he's trying to like have this redemption arc kind of thing um, about I guess trying to not make the mistakes that he made before or previously with um, like past patients and he he's struggling to connect with this boy and he's struggling to um, figure out what's wrong with him and um, try and help him in the best way possible and without saying any more the story kind of goes leaps and bounds from there you we discover you know what is actually going on with the boy how um the child um, Bruce Willis's character ends up you know dealing with that and there is not only one big twist in this film but there are two big twists in this film so if you're really if you want a film to keep you guessing and keep you I guess hooked this film is definitely the one for you 100% um this is my strongest recommend of all of them like definitely I plead you to go and watch this film it is incredible um so let's move on to another film let's go on to The Last Airbender <sighs> okay so The Last Airbender is essentially a film adaptation of the animated series on Nickelodeon of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, it's it's essentially the, the premise of that. Like, you know, you've got the last uh, wind airbender who's basically trying to restore order to all of the... I, I, I'm not... Okay, uh, spoiler, I don't... I haven't seen Avatar, not spoiler, it's more of like a disclaimer, that's it. Disclaimer, I haven't seen the original series, I know it's on Netflix and that is on my list to watch, I think I might watch it as a result of this because I want to see like how far off they were because I know they were way off just because of the the way I watched, it was not, it was not good. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to explain it really badly because I really wasn't with this film and I was, the the attention span was not there for this one. But essentially, there's like four elements and earth, air, fire and water, right? And they're all meant to live in harmony, but the issue is, is that the fire people are like, no, we reject old standards and we want to rule over everything um but the only person who can restore order or like who could have any chance at challenging them is the last airbender and that is a person who is an airbender or a windbender or whatever they wanted to call it but then they also gradually like master each of the other elements kind of thing and there's only there is only one avatar but they like it gets passed down to different people so the story kind of follows that. It follows the Fire Nation kind of taking power and then the re-emergence of the Avatar and watching everything unfold with that. Um, it, it's not worth it. Um, it. It just really isn't. I'll get into why 
like in specific details in the spoiler part but if you do want to watch it I mean it's not worth it I actually had to pay money to watch that film I uh, it's it's a mess it's just a big mess and now I have that film uh, to watch whenever I want to because it was the same price as the rental so I was like why not just buy it worst mistake of my life anyway but um definitely I would give it uh, to the back end because it doesn't stay true to um, a lot of things and it's just not plain right, not entertaining. Um, so yeah, let's move on to another film. So let's talk about Split. So Split is essentially a, um, a film which involves the kidnapping of this girl and her friends, but the main girl who's played by Anya Taylor-Joy we love her. We stand her in this house. Um, and her name is Casey. I think her name is Casey Cook, maybe, I want to say. Or I may be mixing that up with another character, but I'm going to go with it. Um, and her her and her two friends get kidnapped by this man. That is the the in the opening scene of this film, so it's not a big spoiler. Um, and it kind of unfolds of, we're trying to figure out who this man is is that has kidnapped them, why he's kidnapped them, um, what secrets this man has because, um, and I guess his mental state also as well. Um, so it kind of unfolds like that and it is a very controversial one because it goes into topics of, um, people who suffer with DID some would argue in a way that it was not very respectful, which I'll get onto more in detail in the spoilers part. But overall, I think if you want to watch a film that has some brilliant acting in it, like if you take the plot aside from like the whole um, controversy with the DID, if you want to see James McAvoy, who is the kidnapper, I don't know whether I mentioned that, but yes, James McAvoy, obviously. Um, <clears throat> If you wanted to see James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy basically acting their socks off, I would definitely recommend this film because I did really enjoy, of all in this film, just James McAvoy's acting and I just don't understand why he doesn't have an Oscar. But yeah, anyway, that's my piece. So this is a slight recommend, um, though if you don't want to watch it, I wouldn't hold it against you. So... Let's talk about Signs. So Signs was a film that was like, I think of all the films that I've watched of his is the most generic one. Like, sure, the plot, probably for its time, it was like a really innovative film, maybe. But because I've seen a lot of films like that and this one wasn't really like groundbreaking in any sense, um, it was pretty generic. So it follows this family who live on a farm and they essentially are getting signs, raw credits, um, of, I guess, these weird signs that just keep appearing and occurring with, um, within their everyday lives. And it's, it's very much like, is this supernatural? Is this extraterrestrial? Is this, you know, um, like, is this God doing this kind of thing? There's a lot of questions that are, are, are posed in the film and they're trying to figure out, I guess, what is happening and they're learning everything together and there's scepticism and there's also, like, 
obsession and like it's it's a very interesting film in that respect though I don't think it adds anything new to the table of that specific genre of film kind of thing when you watch it I think you'll understand what I mean when I say that um but yeah it's probably one of his most generic ones though I wouldn't say don't watch it it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it and he looks very young in it which I was very surprised and it was, pl it was pleasantly enjoyable like I did I did like, I didn't watch this film and be like, ugh, I hated it. Like, I, it was it was enjoyable, but it wasn't groundbreaking, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, Signs, give it a watch. Um, a lot of these films are on Disney+, Plus, but that might just be UK Disney+, Plus. but, like, I think I watched the Signs on Disney+, Plus, and I also watched Unbreakable and Glass on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I know that Split is on UK Netflix, so a lot of these films I watched on streaming sites, which was pretty cool. Um, so if you want to check this stuff out, definitely do. So that actually seg segues me on perfectly to Glass. So, Glass is a film that connects to both Split and Unbreakable. And this is mild spoilers for one of like the two but essentially they're in the same universe but if you don't know that by now then I, I think that's quite uh, I don't know what to do about that but essentially Split, Unbreakable, same universe so Glass handles both the events of what happened in Split and the events of what happened in Unbreakable in this mega cliche superhero film kind of thing but very grounded superhero film but with all this the stereotypical tropes that you would see in a superhero film um and that's the best way I can describe Glass without giving too much spoilers about what happens in Split and what happens in Unbreakable but Samuel Jackson's back in this film, James McAvoy's back in this film and Bruce Willis is in this film so um if you if you want to check it out definitely do I like the fact that all of these, like, individually all of these films are okay, other than Unbreakable. Unbreakable's pretty good. But, like, Split is okay. But when you add Glass into the mix, I think it makes Split a lot better. It makes Split feel a lot more worth it and worthwhile watching when you watch Glass. Though Glass isn't, is also quite a mm, generic film too. Like... I would say Split is probably rated for me higher than Glass, um, which is annoying. You would want, um, like, your third in, I guess, a trilogy, um, if you want to call it a trilogy, to be, like, the best one, but unfortunately it, it, it didn't hit that good for me. So, yeah, but do check it out. It's also on Disney+, Plus, as I mentioned, and um, it also has uh, Sarah Paulson in it. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah, she's super cool. She's, like, amazing actress. So, and she's, like, a... She a psychiatrist or... I think she might be a psychiatrist. Uh, but, yeah, she is a psychiatrist in this film working with the people um, in... Working with James McAvoy's character, Bruce Willis's character, and Samuel Jackson's character to kind of work through their issues. Um, but, yeah. Definitely do go check that out. It's also a recommend, but it's also, again, just a very light recommend. Like, it's not like, oh my god, you need to see this film. It's like, yeah, see this film if you want to. It's pretty entertaining, kind of thing. And finally, that leaves me with Old. So I'll give my non-spoiler review here, 
but from after this, from here on out, all of the films that I've mentioned and including old, which I'll leave till the end because considering it is the um, the most recent one to have come out, so if I leave it to the end you're not missing too much kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so basically old is about a group of people and families who are going on holiday and they're trying to work out, you know, their differences and, you know, family stuff. You know, it's never easy with family. Uh, I, I don't know why, I just keep hearing the guitar from from Fast and Furious in my head now every time I say family. So thank you, Fast and Furious, for ruining that word for me. Um, but yeah, so they go off on vacation to this island and hotel that the mother of the family found on a website seems sketch is it sketch is it not um and they are invited to this private beach that is um that that is actually located uh on the island but in like a different like more i guess controlled and contained part of the island um and there is something very ominous about this island because the more people are sent there, the more strange things start occurring. And if you want to put two and two together by uh, the, I guess, the title of the film, I wonder what happens while you're on the beach and the film is called Old, kind of thing. So, and the story kind of follows there. We see what happens to each of the characters that we meet and um, their individual struggles and we start to unfold and learn more about them as people. Um, but, was it good? Not particularly. I don't think, um, out of all of his films, minus The Last Airbender, because that's just another level of terrible, I don't think this is my favourite in particular. For a lot of reasons, I didn't like, um, I didn't, I just, I think it had a lot of promise, but it didn't deliver. You know, it had such, as I said in the beginning of the episode, the concept is there, and you had me hooked on the concept, but it just, it wasn't executed as well as I would have hoped it would to be, and I think that's the best way I can describe old. So, that's currently out in cinemas right now, that's why I'm doing this M. Night episode, I thought it'd be very interesting to kind of go through all of his films before watching old, though it was kind of like I watched old sandwiched in the middle of watching all of his films. Um... But yeah, definitely do check it out. It's in theatres right now. Go support your local theatres, but do so if it's safe um, and you feel comfortable doing so. So yeah. Um, with that being said, let's move on to the spoilers of all these films so I can get in and nitpick about everything. So let's get into the spoilers and let's actually go in the same order that we did before. Let's see if I can remember what order I talked about each film. Um, and let's start off with Unbreakable. So for starters, I'd like to say that Bruce Willis's acting was truly incredible in this film. What I loved is this constant conflict of, you know, also conflict with the audience as well. Like I felt as a person, as a member of the audience whilst watching this was like, oh, I, I genuinely can't be sure whether he's just, whether Mr. Glass is kind of like making it up and like trying to put these thoughts in his head um, for, like, no good, for, like, no good reason, and just trying to, like, uh, make up certain things and stuff like that, um, for his own weird benefit and, and, and or entertainment, but, um, I just think 
his acting like going through that conflict so Bruce Willis is acting in conflict and also dealing with his son as well because his son obviously kids are quite impressionable and dealing with the fact that his son also went with him to go and see Mr. Glass on their initial visit was like oh okay wow um this is this is a bit um, you've got like now your son also trying to convince you that you also are a superhero which is crazy and I love the whole premise of like you know he's been in all these accidents before he's never actually gotten hurt and like why is that that he's never gotten hurt and like is it just a bunch of coincidences and like you know it's it's just it's all really and like when was the last time he got ill and it's like it's like all things that rationally you could be like, oh, you know, you wouldn't, you'd never normally think about. But when actually someone puts these thoughts inside your head, you start looking at it from a different perspective. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I enjoyed the whole concept of Unbreakable. And as I mentioned before, is what I loved about it is it's such a unique take on a superhero film. Uh, before superhero films were even quite um, big or popular in terms of, like, MCU franchises and stuff like that. Um, because this one kind of it was like so we we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have this sort of idea of an origin story-esque kind of thing for a superhero um and we're gonna try and find you know what um we're gonna put it in real world perspective though like not as in like some unimaginable physics and stuff like that but actually something that I could imagine in real life someone figuring out that they were a superhero if that would ever exist kind of thing of like it's a slow progression of like do you think you're insane or is it all coincidences and you try and test stuff out and you're trying to you're trying to unconvince yourself that this is something that is important and you should think about when really it's something you should be focusing on because damn this is such a weird coincidence kind of thing uh, too many weird coincidences for you to ignore and that's what I really enjoyed about it because this film came out in 2000 I think um and it was pre all the this marvel like specific formula for superhero films and it added just a little bit of spice in my opinion to the whole like um superhero genre especially watching it like after watching a bunch like 24 odd films connect interconnected within this franchise kind of thing um unfold like that like and but in it's such a real and grounded way i think the best word a really good adjective to describe m night films i would say is grounded they are very very grounded films and for that i really enjoy them um, so what was the big twist in this film? The big twist in this film was Samuel Jackson caused the incidents, um, of, like, the, all of the incidents where they were, like, near-death ones that he could have potentially nearly died in, um, which is, um, which was, like, the big, oh, my God, he's, like, a supervillain and, like, the juxtaposition because Mr. Glass is so fragile and Mr. Uh, and, um, what's his name? David Dunn was, like, this unbreakable and the juxtaposition of their characters are, like, they're meant, to, they are, like, almost inevitably meant to be arch-nemeses or, like, hero-villain kind of relationship. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. It was such a... It was it was a one of M Night's really good plot twists. Like thoroughly enjoyed that aspect, and I think 
overall, this film is really good, and I... I want to see more people branch out with the superhero concept in a less franchise-looking way, in a less formulaic way. Um, one film that is also a really good example of a, a superhero film that doesn't fit the status quo of a normal superhero film is Under... Wait, was it Under? No, it was Upgrade. Sorry, Upgrade, which um, I found thoroughly entertaining. And I would love to see more films like Unbreakable and Upgrade um, kind of turn the superhero genre on its head. Even James Gunn recently came out and said how he sees superhero uh, the same thing happening with uh, superhero films as happened with Western films, is that you got to the point where no one was making anything new or innovative, I guess, with a Western that um, it started to kind of die out as a genre and we don't really see it as much, though we see rare occurrences like um, the Quentin Tarantino, The Hateful Eight was kind of Western-esque, and, um, yeah, you just see random ones. There was that one where it was, like, Cowboys versus Aliens as well, that had, like, maybe Daniel, Daniel Craig in it. I want, I don't know why that came into, I've never seen the film, but that also just came into my head randomly, which, you know, that is doing something different with the, the Cowboy Western films, you know, add Aliens. It's different. Um... But no, I kind of see that happening with superhero films, and I would love to see, I guess, this whole... I would love to see another revamp of, of superhero films, um, because when I, when I see it, I see films like Joker, I guess, which is kind of, I guess, a good example of a supervillain film, kind of revampified and, like, we live in a society kind of thing, uh, make it more... What's the word? Make it more socially relevant and impactful in that respect rather than just appeasing an audience. So yeah, overall what I'm saying is more superhero films like this um, and I can't wait to see, hopefully I can't wait to see more films like that in the future, uh, though not sure but we'll see, we'll see. We can only hope. So the next film I talked about I think was The Sixth Sense and literally this film is so incredible. I don't know, I don't know how else to explain it to you from the first twist of I See Dead People, which is an iconic line that I did know of, but didn't put two and two together until right before he said the line. And I was like, oh, this is this film. This is where that's come from. Oh, okay. To the very last twist where it was like, the psychologist is dead? What the heck? Like what? And I was like, I was freaking out, but then it all made sense because of the way he got shot in the beginning and then they never really touched upon it ever again. But because an audience's mind, or maybe it's just my mind, is so forgetful, you just forget that that ever happened and you just assume that he recovered. Because as an audience, you want to be, you want to make sure, and as a filmmaker as well, you want to make sure that you're, you, you believe in your audience, audience to be competent enough to put two and two together so that, um, so that you're not like spoon feeding them information and that it makes it kind of boring when you have to spoon feed them information and like put signposts out saying that this is exactly what happened. But that's what I loved. I loved the fact that it jumped to like next fall and you know, we saw him and we were like, okay, we assume that he's recovered from this incident. Let's see where life has taken him since then kind of thing. And then you, you kind of forget about it and you just, you don't really pay more attention to it 
until the very end where everything starts piecing together and you you realize that he he was actually dead and it's like oh my god oh my god what the hell what the actual hell is going on this is crazy um what did i love about this film um what did i love i love the fact that I'm not necessarily a horror film fan. fan. I've mentioned this many times before on the podcast. I'm not the biggest fan of horror films because I can't take them. Like, genuinely, my heart actually can't take, especially supernatural horror films. Like, I will not sleep for a really long time. Like, you can give me gore, you can give me blood, you can give me all of that. Zombies I can deal with too. But when you put supernatural ghosts in there like that's where I draw the line that's where I'm like I will freak out I will think about this at night I will look at my cupboard door that's slightly open and be like was that slightly open before I got into bed or did that open just now kind of thing like that that is my actual train of thought like after I've seen horror films I have to distract myself sometimes when I go to sleep uh, if I've seen a horror film that particular day um so it's, it's difficult and they do shake me to my bones so I find it very difficult to watch them even though I know that there are some really excellent horror movie series out there like The Conjuring. I don't think I could ever touch The Conjuring. Maybe when I'm a bit older I say that like I am a child. No. But like maybe when I feel a little bit more confident and I start easing my way into horror films I can finally watch all The Conjuring films but it's a series like that where I'm like I'm really scared and I don't think I can do this kind of thing. Um... But yeah, but this film actually surprised me because this was in aspects of supernatural kind of horror thing because he, he literally sees ghosts, he sees dead people and like surprisingly it didn't scare me too much before I went to sleep which was really good though I did distract myself a little bit because I was thinking about it a bit too much but um, I I loved it and I think not only the fact that this it had two excellent twists if you took the two excellent twists out, or even the last twist um of the film of the fact that he's actually dead if you took that out of the film i'd still say that the sixth sense is a solid film but it's like the second twist is like the icing on the cake to make this film absolutely magnificent and like incredible and oh i'm in awe of it like Bruce Willis's acting was incredible. I thought he was really good as the sci- child psychologist. Um, Haley uh, Joel Osment, I think that's his name, uh, the kid who plays, um, you know, the one who can see dead people. Um, he was really awesome in it as well. And um, you know, and then Tony Collette is in this too, and she's absolutely looking like a goddess. Like, hello, that's amazing. Um, no, I just, everything about this film, really, really, like, it all tied together, and, like, some of the scenes were so emotional, like, the scene in the car with, um, the mother and the son, right, that, like, broke me into tears a little bit, because I was like, oh my god, I'm, like, I feel so heartbroken for, for this, this child, and, like, another thing I want to say is that if you replace the child aspect with an adult aspect, you wouldn't have the same effect with this film. I actually spoke about this with one of my friends last night when we were watching a film that I'm going to mention in the recommend to the back end. But um, we watched this film and like there were adults and kid versions of this thing, right? And I, I basically said, like, 
you know, things on their own, as if they're, like, in a, an adult or whatever, it's, like, not as scary as if you have children. Like, when, when it's, for some reason, if it's a child that's experiencing something or is something that is creepy, you feel suddenly more scared or more anxious or more, like, emotionally inclined or... Your, I guess your emotions heighten is what I'm trying to say if, if a child is involved, at least in my opinion of all the films that I've seen. Um, and yeah, when I when I watched this film, I was like, this ch if this wasn't a child, I would not have emoted as much as I can. But because the vulnerability surrounding a child and like the innocence and, you know, the somewhat, I guess, pure aspect that children are like quite untainted and pure at a young age um you feel I guess more you feel more scared and you feel more sad for what uh, the, what the child is experiencing in this film and um brilliant choice of of making it like a, the child psychologist a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever um in this film and like all all of the things that were chosen in this film were really good and I loved the whole aspect is that we got to see, you know, him not just get rid of it, like a, having like a seance or something like that, and like trying to get rid of this, uh, this supernatural ode that's on this child, but rather learning to deal with it um, and learning to, to manage it in a more, in a way that he doesn't need to feel afraid and he doesn't need to live his life in fear anymore. And I loved the beauty of, of the ending where you know, at the beginning, he was talking to his mother about how he wanted to... They were, they were like, there's this playful banter thing of, like, oh, how was your... How was your day at, um... Uh, what, what did you do today? And she, like, basically lied about everything that she did in her day. And then his lie was more like, oh, I got picked first for, like, the football team, and then I did good, and then, like, I got lifted up by everyone, and they were all cheering for me. And then the fact that you, you, you see that, that was his lie, but obviously he wanted some aspects of that to be true. Um, so then what he... Uh, to see that at the end of, like, him being the lead star in the play about Merlin... Uh, was it Merlin or Arthur? One of the... No, it was Arthur. King Arthur, sorry. Um, and then, like, him pulling the sword out of the stone, and then, um, you know, him getting lifted up by all of his classmates, and they're all cheering. Like, it's such a... Oh, it warms my heart. Like, I could talk about this film forever because of how, like, how much I love it, but, um, just all the little details about this film really, really tied it in, and, and this is why I love M. Night. Like, this is such an interesting concept, a concept that I don't think I, though I have seen limited films in my life, I don't think I've seen a concept like that before, and he took it, and he made it his own, and it's a genre that is very well known for, like, ghosts and supernatural and, like, the eerie aspect of children, but he took it and he made it his own and put a unique spin on it, which is why I loved it. And at the time when it came out, I think this came out in 1999, at the time this came out, it was the second highest grossing uh, horror film of all time, which is an incredible feat. Like, oh my God, that's like, so, it's incredible. Um, and overall, I just think it's such a good film. And if, if, you're obviously listening to the spoilers section, then it must mean you've seen it too. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Did you like it as much as I did, or did you think it was just a generic film? Let me know. But yeah, that's how, what I feel about The Sixth Sense.
So let's move on to, I think I spoke about next, The Last Airbender. Okay, I wrote a letterbox review for this film that I guess sums up my entire feelings about um, this film, which is, <clears throat> and I quote, the one positive thing to come out of this film is that Dev Patel's career um, is still is still going after this film. For that, I am very much grateful. Because this film really could have killed Dev Patel's career. Um, he even came on the record, I think, recently in an interview saying that he doesn't think he was the right casting choice for his role in The Last Airbender. Um, so with that even being said, it's like, oh my god, I'm just I'm just grateful we see Dev Patel in, in Lion and we see him in Slumdog and we see him in in this new film, The Green Knight, that's coming out, I think, this week as well, actually, which is pretty exciting. No, is it this week? No, it's ne next week, sorry. Next week. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, it's, it's just super, super, um, it's just super bad. The, the last airbender, I don't know how, like, okay, so I haven't seen the series, though I think I'm gonna watch it and then maybe form more opinions of what I feel about it, but it was just so boring. And it's so difficult to follow as well. It's like, why did that that girl die again? For what reason? For the spirits? Like, we weren't even told that much detail about the spirits. Or maybe I just wasn't paying attention because of how boring it was, them talking about the spirits. But they didn't even explain the spirits that much. She wasn't even established as a character that I had so much of a connection to. And, uh, uh, and they wanted to make it out because of the relationship that... Um, she had with the brother and it's like but I'm not there yet like you could have had a few more scenes with her developing her personality like seeing what she's like as a person for them to make like make me care about her like at least add a little bit more you know give me some more to work with um what else it was like um it was, I don't know how else to describe this film, it's just disappointing. Um, not only that, but the fact that they didn't cast actual Asian leads, like for a film that, and for a TV show that is heavily inspired um, by Asia, it's really frustrating, like really, really frustrating. Like your lead character, you couldn't have, like it was that difficult that you couldn't cast an Asian, like come on. Um, so, yeah, that irritated me, uh, quite a bit, and, um, the fact that they didn't stay true to the source material, like, I know that people want to put their own spin on things, even if they're, like, taking it from a source material, but there's a line to cross, like, you have to honour it, but then also put your own spin on it too, M. Night has shown in the past that he can put his own spin on specific genres, but, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's discrediting any of the genres, and the same thing applies for something like Avatar The Last Airbender. It's, it's, you, you watch the source material, right? If there's stuff to read about the source material, read it. Honour it. Don't just, I, I don't know, look at the wiki synopsis. It, this is what it felt, it felt like they looked at the wiki synopsis of the series, right? And then just decided to use that to base it off to try and make this film. And the worst thing is they tried to set up sequels at the end of this film. They tried to be like, oh, we, we gotta stop him from learning more of the elements before he takes us over kind of thing. And like, for what? For, for what? Because you in this film, you, 
You haven't made me care about the lead character. You haven't even made me care about the side characters. The only character I'm invested in is Dev Patel's character, but that's because it's just Dev Patel, you know what I mean? It's like, it infuriated this me, this uh, film. It genuinely infuriated me to watch. I was just sitting there like, when is this gonna end? Why is this not ended yet? And it was just, it, overall, it was the most disappointing M. Night film I've seen, and you know, I just, I feel sorry for the people who who were really excited, I guess, to see this film um, based on one of their beloved TV shows when they were growing up on Nickelodeon, and then suddenly to be it treated like that with such disrespect, I believe it was treated with such disrespect, because from all of the people who I've spoken about, uh, spoken to, and who have seen this series as well, and then also watched the film, have said it's a massive disrespect to the source material, so... I don't know, it was very disappointing, and though it was very incredibly hyped up, uh, I don't know how this film made money, maybe it's because people wanted to watch it because of how bad it was, that's also another kind of film culture, but overall I just think, if you're, if you're taking a concept that already exists, make sure you're, make sure you're doing it well, because if it's an original film, it's fine, that's on you, that's how you wanted to give your artistic vision for that particular film. But it's a lot more difficult to make mistakes if source material already exists for a specific, um, a specific concept that you're doing in a film. And that's where this one fell short, for me 100%. So let's move on, let's go away from that one because I don't really want to talk about it anymore. But let's move on to Split, which, okay, so Split is, I guess, the only M. Night film, actually the first M. Night film I ever saw, because um, obviously I'm not going to be seeing, like, The Village or The Visit, like, horror films or whatever, like, that was not going to be my thing. But Split was the first one I saw because of the wonderful James McAvoy. James McAvoy is one of, was uh, one of my favourite actors when I was growing up. He still is actually one of my favourite actors, though I haven't seen him enough recently. I haven't seen him in enough recently. I know he's in the His Dark Materials TV series, and I know that he's doing a film coming up soon with um, where he's basically improving all of his all of his lines and stuff, uh, which is going to be very interesting to see. I mean, if anyone can pull it off, it's him. But the fact that he played a character with DID, I enjoyed his take on it and his like acting of the different characters of DID like he learned 24 different personalities 24 different roles for one particular film that he switched between these characters as well so effortlessly with the mannerisms the way that he spoke you know with Hedwig and then Patricia and then like you could tell by the way that he stood as Patricia to the way that he was acting with Hedwig like it, it was it was he he so well thought about how he wanted to create a different persona for each of the um the personalities that was within Kevin Kevin's uh body and for that like like James McAvoy why have you not won an Oscar yet you you've done some groundbreaking work I mean start off a 10 <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, you should head back to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode where me and Gracie were talking about Star for 10 for some reason. But yes, anyway, um, so I was, I, I went into that film for that. I stayed for Anya Taylor-Joy because yes, um, and I loved, it was an interesting concept. I felt like the beginning of this film 
really solid. Like, I could get behind the concept, I could get behind what was going on. Though, uh, but then when you get the, when you take the whole DID and then you have like, there's a, there's another personality that's like the beast and it's like super, like, um, I don't know, it puts a negative, I think it puts negative st uh, stigmas or like a negative cloud, I guess, around DID. And I don't think it was handled very well. Once again, um, you need to have, you should have researched DID as a disorder as a whole before, um, I guess, making a film that's going to potentially anger some of this pe the people from this community or people who are involved in this community, right? Obviously, I'm not, I'm not as well clued up as I probably would like to be about this particular uh, disorder and, um, I guess, stigmas and stuff surrounding it and, like, common misconceptions about it. But from my understanding is a lot of these common misconceptions and stigmas are put forward in this film. And when you have such a big platform like M. Night, like, coming off of The Sixth Sense, which really skyrocketed his career, you have the opportunity to use your platform to, in a, in a way where you're not spreading misinformation, right? And I feel like partially in a way, misinformation was kind of um, construed, in, not in a way it was, I guess, done on purpose, but in a way that, once again, all of the stigmas and stereotypes that people just generally have in their brain about people who uh, suffer with uh, DID kind of have. And slowly you, you you're at this wall of like you you've want to make a film that's innovative but you haven't done enough research on the particular topic of that disorder to do justice to it and to not to not make I don't know to not add to the conversations of the stigma and the stereotypes surrounding it um so that's why and, and it became over the top at that point of the whole beast kind of aspect of it it was just I don't know I, as I've said before the only thing I really enjoyed about this film was the acting from James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy like those were the two like they both did really incredible acting and especially uh, Anya like she did such good with uh, she did such good acting with you know her being quite, I guess, her way of reacting to the situation given her past experiences and then we see those past experiences uh, come to light and this sort of weird relationship de of developing between Kevin and um, Anya's character, which I think is Casey Cook. Um, but yeah, like, it's, it's really cool. Really, really cool. Um, and then, that's all I really have to say. I mean, the big twist of that film was it's part of the Unbreakable Universe, as I already mentioned kind of before. So it's kind of like they're trying to make them out to be superhero, supervillain kind of thing as well. Um, Storylines coming into play, which I didn't know how to feel about that. Though, because when I watched, um, when I watched this, I didn't know what Unbreakable was. So I didn't get the big twist at the end. So I had to Google it and be like, oh, okay, this links to another one of his films. Okay, all right, this makes sense. Um, so yeah. Overall, Split was, I thought it was enjoyable because of James McAvoy. I want to see James McAvoy in more things. Can we please cast him in more things? Um, because I think he, I think personally, his acting level is 
up there with someone like Adam Driver. Like, I think, I think, I think I just want to see more of James McAvoy is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and if you haven't seen him in his dark materials, he's actually pretty good in that too, so definitely go watch that if you haven't. Um, but yeah, I've, I've only seen like the first, I guess, three episodes, but I'm watching it with my mum very slowly, but we're gonna get there, we're gonna finish it. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next film then, which I don't really have much to say about, uh, because I, I personally, it wasn't very memorable film to me, as I've already mentioned, which is Signs. Now, Signs is one of those films where, um... I think if I watched it at the time it had released, I think I'd be a lot more, like, groundbreak, like, it would be a lot more groundbreaking for me then. But I, it just wasn't for me at, at, at this, um, because I've seen similar types of films to, like, you've seen the stereotypes of, like, crop circles and you've seen the stereotypes of, like, you know, uh, extraterrestrial activity and stuff like that and um you know the whole wearing tinfoil on your head to stop them from reading minds and be like all those tropes right essentially seen before but um I feel like if I watched it at the time I would have had more of a more of a it would have had more of a profound impact on me but unfortunately I didn't even think I was born when this film came out um so I I couldn't watch it at that time which is unfortunate but what I loved about this film, though, because um, I'm not saying it was a bad film, like, it was enjoyable, it just didn't offer anything new to me, but what I did enjoy about it is, once again, a theme with M. Night Films is that he's very grounded, no matter what he's doing, he always tries to make it as grounded as possible, with focusing on conversations with the characters, and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with the, p the particular characters that you're given in a big, really massive, convoluted, wider concept. Um, and I liked that about this film because it's very focused on family. Do, 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 do. Sorry, I'm going to stop. I'll stop, I promise. Um, <laughs> but it's very focused on their family and um, the their gradual understanding of the situation and, you know, the scepticism from the father to the children, obviously children being more, I guess gullible I want to say though that has negative connotations to it but I guess gullible is the right word that I can use but then also it not just being them being like gullible and like believing whatever they see on television or whatever it's actually them it is real and then also the uncle uh, kind of siding with the children and like all that and then it takes Mel Gibson's character a little bit longer to be convinced by this and all of it is just it's like, I enjoyed that aspect of it, but in terms of wider plot and storyline of it, it didn't offer anything new to me, so unfortunately, I, it, it wasn't, like, a, a groundbreaking film for me. Um, so that's all I really have to say about the signs. Um, I did love the alien, though, that, that alien that's, like, the, the w w wandering around in the scene behind the bushes that's green. Very funny. I loved that, that freeze frame. It was so good. Um, but yeah, anyway, moving on. So let's move on to Glass. So Glass is the culmination of the Beast and the Unbreakable and coming together. And uh, when Samuel Jackson in Unbreakable's character gets put to jail uh, or in a psychiatric ward kind of thing, these two now are put in a psychiatric ward and they're butting heads. So um, James McAvoy's character and Bruce Willis's character are butting heads all by the mastermind of um, 
Samuel L. Jackson's character. And this is probably the M. Night film that has the most twists. It has the twist of Samuel L. Jackson killed um, James McAvoy's dad on the same train that David was on when he survived the train accident. Um, the second plot twist, Dr. Ellie Staple, who is the uh, Sarah... Sarah Paulson's character is actually working for a weird clover organization that kills superheroes. So they actually were like superheroes, but he, they were trying to convince them that they were not, um, only to then have just killed them. And then uh, the final big twist was that actually they didn't win because um, Samuel Jackson's character was filming everything. Uh, with all the cameras and they, um, he sent all of the the footage over to a remote location which meant they would be distributed to everyone around the world. So, oh my god, plot twist after plot twist after plot twist. <laughs> it just felt like so much was trying to be achieved in this film. And when a film is trying too hard, a friend of mine said to me, if a film is trying too hard, um, you know it's not a good film because if you can tell it's trying too hard to be something, it's not being authentic to that thing. So yeah, it was just, it was M. Night trying to, to make it as twisty and turny as possible because it was hyped up to be, in my opinion, this kind of like Godzilla versus King Kong kind of thing in his mind of like, oh yeah, James McAvoy's character, Kevin... Um, and then, like, uh, Bruce Willis's character, David, like, they're coming together in this, like, epic, like, Godzilla versus King Kong kind of fight, when really it was the, it was the equivalent of, like, I guess, not to be rude to the Cap and Iron Man fight, but it was kind of like that, and then they stopped fighting, and then they kind of teamed up together to, to, because of Mr. Glass, like, kind of thing, that kind of thing, right? Um... Though this was definitely worse than the Iron Man and Cap fight. I'm not saying that the Cap and Iron Man fight was anything like like that one, but it just it radiated the same formula slash vibes to that. Um, it felt like it was lacking at the best of times, and it felt like it had all the st uh, stereotypes that you'd s expect in a typical superhero film, though I think that was kind of the point. I think that's what they were trying to go with, though I, I, that just didn't really sit well with me, considering that I just went on the record and said that Unbreakable was really stepping out of the, the stereotypes and tropes of a particular superhero film, you know? But then it just does, and it's kind of sad. Um, what else? I don't know what else to say. It was interesting, but not in a good way. Like it was, it was interesting, but like it was, it was not compelling enough to me be like, wow, this is incredible, remarkable piece of film kind of thing. And that's all I really have to say about Glass. It just, it was. He had the potential to be something, or you could have just left Split and Unbreakable untouched and let them live in their own universes and feel better I guess. I think what it does is actually it puts a dampen on the Unbreakable film when you watch Glass and it puts it makes Split look a lot better kind of thing which is annoying because Unbreakable is is a really incredible film and then you watch Glass and you just feel you feel sad because it's like that's not how I want to remember Bruce Willis like that that type of character and now I have to deal with this again which is really annoying. Anyway, it was not it was not my favorite. Um, so that's all I really have to say about Glass. 
So finally, I'm going to talk about old. Now, this is the only one that some of you might not have already seen yet because it's only just come out in cinemas. So I'm going to give an extra spoiler warning. So spoiler warning, if you don't want old by M. Night spoiled, please do not listen further. Thank you. I'm going to move on to spoilers of old now. Beach make you old. <laughs> no. Okay. So... This, uh, this film, I have a lot to say because I walked out of the cinema and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? Um, my letterbox review describes it perfectly. It's like I'm sitting on a plane and I'm on the, the take, like the taxi for the takeoff. And like you're getting ready to take off and you're like rolling down the runway, driving down the runway, like waiting and waiting like to take off. And it just never does. Like the plane never takes off. Like, this film never goes anywhere. It just tells me things. And it, it doesn't even show me things. It tells me things. And it's so... It was so infuriating. Like, genuinely so infuriating. Because I loved the concept. I loved the concept of the fact that this beach made you old. And there was these people watching them. And watching their moves. And it's like, maybe like this big, massive science experiment. Which it ended up being. Because it wasn't that hard of a twist. And it was probably not one of M. Night's biggest twists or uh, strongest twists that I've ever seen of his but that whole concept was so interesting and I really enjoyed that right but you gave me nothing with it like you I I know how I would have made this film better in my personal opinion and I'll let you know at the uh, once I finish talking about it but the only saving graces from this film in my opinion was Alex Wolfe and uh Thomasin um, McKenzie, who, so Thomasin McKenzie was in Jojo Rabbit, which I only found out as of today, um, and Alex Wolf, hereditary, obviously, give Alex Wolf a, a role with a stable family, please, He's just, he just doesn't have any stable family roles at the moment, um, but yeah, they were really good, I loved their acting throughout this film, I think they were, of all of the versions of Trent and... Uh, the other, other, the, the girl, all of the versions of them, I think that was, that, that, the age 15 versions of them were really good, like, it was my, they were my favourite versions of them. Um, what else? The dialogue, oh my gosh, okay, so my, my, when I watched this with my parents, and my dad made a point about how the dialogue didn't make any sense from the children, like, it, it literally didn't make any sense, um, because, and I thought, when I, once he explained it to me, I was like, oh my god, this literally, you are 100% correct. Like, it bugged me that these children who were like, what? They were 11 and 6 when they entered the island, right? And essentially what had happened was they both, um, as they grew up, they also had knowledge of graduation and, you know sexual encounters and also like um just so many other things that you wouldn't have knowledge about unless you you're ex like unless you have experience of them like actual life experience and learning and surely your mental age should stay the same as like a six-year-old and an 11-year-old but you're just in an older person's body like you're your brain doesn't just slowly grow wrinkles from nothing, right? That's not how it works, right? If you are, if you had lived on a beach your entire life, you're not gonna know about graduation or prom. 
like what you're not gonna you're not gonna know like how to, how to to have sexual intercourse like it just doesn't make any sense right and then I was I, I I don't know and it just felt that like the dialogue was so especially in the beginning as well this is what my mom mentioned um both of my parents um other people who had taught me how to be cinephile so the fact that they were talking to me about the dialogue in the film and how stupid it was I was very proud um so like the whole beginning bit where they were like we don't have much time so we have to spend the the amount of time that we have together so well and like you know um uh, it was just it felt so cliche and so forced like the, it was not good writing like dialogue was terrible like i cannot i cannot say anything other like i can't save this film any other way for the dialogue right um because it was bad concept was incredible now, what was the, and the ending was so unsatisfying, I mean, the big twist was the fact that the, the hotel people were actually behind this whole scientific experiment, testing uh, pharmaceutical drugs to see um, if these, all the people, some of the people on the island had medical conditions, and they were testing out how the medical conditions um, would um, proceed uh, through age, and, like, basically rapidly fast testing these, these scientific drugs, right? Great concept, incredible, was not executed well. Why? Because you let your main characters survive. You let them survive. That was your biggest plot hole. You made a beach, right, that you go old in. You made this, made up this weird coral thing that you go through and suddenly you're fine. Suddenly you're fine and you can go and you can escape and be free, right? But that's now not how it should have ended. It would have been a, um, a lot more satisfying and sinister, very M. Night ending if all of the people on the island just died. And we slowly saw the unfolding of the fact that these people, ha putting together the fact that these people had medical conditions and they were trialing and like have the next scene be like the next batch, uh, bring in the next batch of, uh, of people. Have it be a, a bit of a, 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 a like a, a weird, ending like a bad like not a bad ending but what's it like a, a not a happy ending essentially make it more mysterious and and weird and stuff like that like that would have been a lot more interesting than letting your two main characters survive and the thing that they did wrong with the two main characters surviving as well is that you've brought these two new actors in who we are meant to believe our Trent and the other girl right because everyone else on the island dies like it made sense that they also should have died as well but they didn't because whatever because uh, coral and the weird note that he found that was really weirdly executed and like you just remembered you had that note and then like i don't know it was just very very weird anyway um is that you're trying to make us root for these characters that we've only seen on screen for like all of 10 minutes maybe um not characters, sorry, actors, that we've only seen on the screen for 10 minutes, so we need some time to adjust that these are the, the same characters, because even though they, it is technically the same character, your brain kind of needs time to adjust to the fact that these um, new actors who have come in place are the same characters that we've seen before, before especially when you have brilliant acting talents like Alex Wolfe and Thomasine uh, McKenzie, who were there for majority of the time, and then you have the switch to the adults, is that the ending feels so unsatisfying when they finally escape, because they're not, we don't feel, I don't feel like we have officially or like concretely felt attached to those characters yet. 
and it's very frustrating. A lot of things um, were frustrating about this film, and yeah, I just think it would have worked better if they all died. Um, and personally, it the memes to have come out of this film truly have been a blessing, but everything else kind of not. So, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So that's my opinions on old. I would recommend it though. Um, and go out to theatres if you can and you feel safe to do so and go watch it because it, I think all in all I laughed after coming out of the film I laughed for a long time and I just thought it was very entertaining so um, definitely do check it out I'm not going to say I'm not going to recommend it but do check it out so now I want to talk about the controversy surrounding this film Okay, so I had to do a little bit of googling because I don't remember the actor's name who went on the record to say this um, but yeah, there was a lot of controversy going on with the M. Night film, particularly in the UK, because this actor named John Barrowman, who I don't know who, who else, what he's been in, I've never heard of him before, but he's apparently a British actor, um, has attracted criticism for a negative social media post about M. Night Shyamalan's film, new film, Old. So essentially what happened was... He went to go watch the film, he didn't like it, but instead of sitting there and being like, okay, I didn't like it, um, it's fine, you know, it's, ju it's just a film, someone else may like it out there, and it was just not for me, which is what I feel like with old. I feel like it just wasn't for me, you know, I personally didn't like the way this film was executed and I would have done it differently, right? But that doesn't mean necessarily that someone else wouldn't have liked this film. That's the beauty of the film industry is that you could love a film that someone absolutely despises, but that's just why we're different and we're humans and stuff like that. So he went on the record, he filmed himself calling this film like really bad and he didn't like it um, and like saying some profanity as well with it. Um, and essentially he filmed also himself shouting at the person who gave him the ticket asking for a refund and actually got a refund for um for the tickets for old and he tagged m night on twitter as well in this video there is a lot wrong with that okay i i'm no i'm no stranger to i guess having bad opinions about films that are bad i mean i i talked about the last airbender i didn't like it but maybe somewhere out there someone liked the last airbender but I have to stress to you that these, you guys, these are all my own opinions, right? I'm not forcing you not to watch these films, nor am I forcing you to watch these films. I'm only recommending you to watch these films and giving you my opinions of what I felt, right? Because some of you may relate to some of my opinions and stuff like that. But it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing not to support cinema as a whole. I have said this constantly to my parents. When they came out of old, they felt like it was such a waste of their time and stuff like that. And I turned around and I said to, to my parents, I said, well, if we only see good films all the time, we won't end up appreciating them. We watch the bad films to be able to appreciate the good films when they do come along. And that's my whole perspective, is that I will always watch, no matter what, any film that comes out in cinema that somewhat piques my interest, even though I know it might not be my cup of tea, I just want to see how it's executed, you know? Because that's the fun, the fun of being a cinephile or a film nerd or whatever, because you just want to watch all the films and form your own opinions on them and talk to people about them, right? But it's another thing to 
ask, actively ask for a refund and bash this film constantly online and say that no one should watch this and be adamant about getting a refund for a cinema ticket that you paid for it. If you signed up to watch a film, right, and you watched the trailer, you paid money to watch that film, right? You can't go back and ask for a refund for every bad film that you've seen. That's like me going to the theatre, watching Green Lantern and asking for a refund after watching Green Lantern because I didn't like it. You know, that's not how it works. It works in the sense of you're paying because you're interested to watch this film, right? And I got really, really, really mad about this whole situation because I was like, who are you? Who, who are you to actually go out there and bash this film and even embarrass the director of this film, who is actually a really acclaimed director and has actually done some really magnificent pieces of work um, on Twitter and publicly try and shame them for a film that they made? Have you tried to make that film? No. So don't get involved. Like, don't. Just don't. Okay? It's okay to have opinions and it's okay not to like a film, but it's another thing to try and convince other people not to watch it and try and um, ask for a refund and also to to shame the director. Because you, you don't just do that. You don't shame a director. You just say, this is not one of his works that I'm particularly keen on and it was not one that I... I particularly enjoyed and although I like other films of his you know it's not it's not the best of his in my personal opinion be polite what is with everyone in the world trying to be angry all the time like come on chill and just take take things as they are and you don't always need to be so aggressive and assertive with your opinions all the time because uh, nine times out of ten if you are being aggressive and assertive with your opinions they're not going to translate very well so much so that this man had to private his twitter account with like what nine hundred thousand followers like that's gonna do anything um but yeah it was just a really interesting situation that I wanted to bring up at the end of this to kind of talk about. You know, even though M. Night is a very controversial director and some of his films like The Last Airbender or Old in this example are not the most well-received films, you can't discredit that person and you can't tell other people not to watch their films because they might enjoy it. So just moral of the story, don't be rude. Don't, don't diss other people's opinions and don't diss directors when, I guess you haven't even attempted to try and make a film as close to The Sixth Sense. <laughs> so I, with, with that being said, I want to leave you with um, something that Thomas Paul Anderson taught John Krasinski about hating movies, right? And this is for everyone out there about hating films and stuff like that, right? Uh, he had seen, so they had watched a movie uh, for... Krasinski's 30th birthday party I think and he they were discussing a film that he had just seen and Tom Krasinski uh, Tom Krasinski John Krasinski told uh, Anderson that um it's not a good film and the Phantom Thread director nicely um basically told him he so sweetly like took me aside and said very quietly don't say that don't say that it's not a good movie if it wasn't for you, that's fine. But in our business, we've all got to support each other. The movie was very artsy, and he said, you've got to support the big swing. If you don't put it out there that the movie, um, 
if you put it out there that the movie's not good, they won't let us make more movies like that, right? And, like, he he, he goes on to say he's defending the value of artistic experience. Um, it's just... He... That made me respect uh, Paul Thomas Anderson a lot more, but I think... that Because that was something that was on Twitter as well at the time of the, the whole... Um, I guess blowing up of like this this film actor who said the bad things about old that tweet came up and resurfaced and I I just sat there and I was like that is such a good and interesting way to think about films and honestly I am very glad that that was said and that was put in there because I would never have known like that was said and it will definitely change my reflection on films like but I, I want to remind you all again that if I do say a film is bad, it's my personal opinion. Again, it is not for me. It is not my particular film. And I do like to think that I do stress that quite a bit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I um, that you guys can't watch it or you guys shouldn't watch it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still going to voice my opinions about it. But not in a way that's incredibly rude to the people who have created it. Because they have spent time and money creating these pieces of work and um, we shouldn't discredit them for that. So let's move swiftly on from that and move on to the future of M. Night Films. So um, there isn't much to say. I did quite a bit of research to try and figure out like what was going on with the future of his films but I think this was his future project and now this is the one that's kind of going on at the moment but there is a film that he's releasing in 2023 because Universal and M. Night have good ties together so there there is a 2023 release coming out from M. Night so uh, we should definitely stay tuned for that. So I guess that wraps up me talking about M. Night and I hope you enjoyed this wild roller coaster of a ride. I hope you learned some things. I hope you uh, maybe were inspired to watch some of the films that I talked about or you enjoy some of my opinions and do let me know what you guys think of some of M. Night's most famous films or most infamous films because I'm always interested to hear other people's opinions about things. Um, so yeah, it's time to move on to the infamous segment of the show, The Recommend or To The Back End. So this week I have, surprise, surprise, a recommend and a to the back end. I am on fire in these coming weeks. Um, so let's start off with my recommend. So my recommend is this film that is very much a big film within the, the, the film Twitter or film nerd universe, which is Before Sunrise. It is probably one of, and the Before series, which I have not seen all of them yet. I do need to watch uh, the rest of them. I've only seen Before Sunrise, but there's Before Sunset and Before Midnight, I think, as well. Um, so, it is a story about a boy meets girl on train, they both were about to go separate ways, but they decided to spend one incredible night together in Vienna, um, just talking with each other and learning about each other and, you know, describing each other's, like, experiences of life and, like, um, slowly, I guess, falling in love with each other only to part ways at the end of it all and, you know it's 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 so it's so interesting it's so cool and it's such an amazing uh love story and it's 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 one of those films where i feel like you just need to experience it you really do need to experience it because it's the conversations that are made you know the the um 
And the cinematography as well is really beautiful and you know both leads are very attractive as well they're very very cool and like they they are both acting their socks off and I truly would recommend this film to to any and everyone whether you really hate romantic films or whether you love them like on all of the spectrum I think this film is just generally a really good idea to watch so definitely do check it out it's worth it. So my to the back end or question mark film or I don't know really how to describe this is an Adam Driver film. Uh, one of the only ones that I'm, I'm just trying to catch up on my list of Adam Driver films that I haven't seen and I watched one with, uh, I watched it last night as well, I watched it with Kingsley fellow podcast guest um, and it was The Dead Don't Die. My goodness, okay it's the guy who directed Patterson which is one of my favourite films of all time. Like, it's got Adam Driver in it, it's got symbolism, it's got it's beautiful, I love it. Maybe I'll talk about Patterson one day. But this film is trying this is the this is what Kingsley Kingsley told me. He said that this film was trying too hard, and if a film is trying too hard, then um you know it's not a good film because it should be effortless. And this is this is exact it's a zombie film. It's got Adam Driver and Bill Murray in it and they're essentially trying to deal with a zombie outbreak but it's also trying to send messages that like we live in a society kind of vibes and then we're also like dealing with whatever Tilda Swindon's character is and then also like these other characters that 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 we're introduced to in the first like 40 minutes of the film are spent introducing like so many new characters that you're like which ones are we meant to be focusing on again um honestly it's just a wild ride if you want a film it reminds me of Don Quixote the film uh the man who killed Don Quixote if you want crazy vibes like that watch the dead don't die it's on Netflix at the UK Netflix at the moment but it's just such a weird film uh I don't I don't even know how else to describe it but yeah, that's my recommend to the back end for this week. So that means we have reached the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts or Overcast or any podcast listening platform, do give the podcast a follow or subscribe there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, why don't you leave a five-star rating or review? It will help more people find the podcast. Um, and if you want to know what films I'm watching on a day-to-day -day basis that I may not mention in my podcast episode, you can follow my Letterboxd account, underscore Nanita underscore. Um, if you want to keep up to date with things surrounding the podcast, just generally updated about what's going on, future episodes, you can follow my Twitter and Instagram accounts at Deets with Dita for both, although I am more active on my Instagram account than I am on my Twitter account. Um... And then with that being said, I don't know what next week's episode is going to be about, so I have to sit and think about that, because uh, I'm really unsure of what I want to, what direction I want to go in with 49, because I have a clear idea of what episode 50, because that's coming up, I know what I want to do for episode 50, though I might need more time to plan that, um, but I don't know what I'm going to do for 49, but stay tuned, I might update it on my Instagram story of what that is, so... Uh, keep an eye out for that. With that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode, and I will see you all next week. Bye, everyone!